DiscerningHearts.com presents Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He formerly served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is also the author of numerous spiritual books, including Heart of the Diaconate, Remain in Me, Spousal Prayer, and Listening for Truth. He has given more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality nationally and regularly conducts retreats. Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We're meditating on the Stations of the Cross. It is a very powerful devotional that takes us to a very dark and wounded place, not only in the life of Christ, but in our own hearts, doesn't it? Yes, in this place of woundedness and of supposed darkness, separation from God, whether it's an emotional wound or a physical burden that someone is suffering or a family wound that someone is carrying, disunity in one's family, a sense of anxiety in one's own mind or heart, any burden that a person is carrying. Jesus wants them to enter this devotion as an extension of the liturgy of the word, really, to meditate upon the word of God as the word of God is represented in the images that come to us through the church, through the saints, called the way of the cross, And this invitation is to behold the way of the cross, to look at it. And in looking at it, to receive the wisdom and the love that is present in this mystery of Jesus is always accessible to us through faith. So that the burdens we carry will be united to his carrying of his cross. And therefore, our burdens will, in some mysterious way, enter into the way of salvation, our own and those for whom we intercede. So it's a marvelous time of meditation and prayer that the Church has given to us in the way of the cross. The first station, Jesus is condemned to death. The image of Jesus is presented to us of one who is shackled and presented by accusers to those in authority who question him over and over again, and yet he remains silent or turns the questions back to them. Yes, the image of Jesus before Pilate is a stunning image, really, with Pilate washing his hands the echo of that incredible question that has come down through history, what is truth? Jesus himself, humble and obedient before the authorities of earth, tied, no longer free to heal, bound, 
bound by our fears, no longer free to be loving in God among us. And Pilate, he stands for all of us who lack the courage to name the truth when we see it. We wash our hands from it because it will cost too much. At the very first station, we are brought right into betrayal. Because from the scripture we know, just by the way Pilate is speaking to Jesus, we know that he knows who he's speaking to. He knows the truth, and yet he washes his hands. And he turns aside, and he tells others to take the truth out of his sight and to remove the truth from his presence. And Jesus humbly leaves the presence of Pilate to go on his way. His way is a way of obedience to the Father, no matter what happens. And Pilate's way is a way of self-preservation and self-interest. Jesus, we ask that you give us your spirit so that we may go on your way and refuse to stay with Pilate. Refuse to be so cowardly as to turn our consciences away from what we know to be true. Even though it is frightening, we ask to accompany you, Jesus, as you go on your way. Why does the Father allow this to happen? Why does this moment need to occur? This mystery of Jesus' silence is truly the mystery of the Lamb of God. The ever-deepening penetration of God's love into the darkest of all places in human experience, which is innocent suffering. No place more frightening, no place more dark than the one who is innocent, suffering and wounded, for no reason, a state of irrationality. And so God, who is love, wanted to share that deepest, darkest place with us. In all those times when our lives do not make sense, when there's no reason for something to have happened, when we are befuddled and beguiled and we just can't understand why this suffering has befallen us. At least from our perspective, this has happened for us. The silent lamb has entered into the deepest, darkest place, innocent suffering, and now we're not alone there. And as we walk the way of suffering in our own death, we know now that we are not alone. The courage it must have taken Jesus to remain silent. This courage, of course, came from his ever-present communion with the Father. He always stayed 
connected to the Father. He tried to teach us that in John's Gospel when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you want to withstand evil and still be faithful, you must stay connected to the vine. And this is what Jesus was doing before Pilate. He could be silent, truth itself, silent before evil and lies. We know what we would have done if we made a movie of this. We would have made Jesus like a superman, showing his supernatural powers and railing against evil and attacking Pilate, all of his soldiers. But Jesus' own response is annoying to us. Why would he suffer when he was totally innocent? And again, we have to go back to the point that he is always in communion with the Father. Remember, this is what the Father wanted. The Father did not want any of his little children to think that in any way, shape, or form, God was not with them. And so Jesus had to be little, lamb-like and silent, so that down through the ages of history, all of the innocent sufferers would know that this was the place of deepest intimacy with God's love. If Jesus spoke, if Jesus defended himself, if Jesus fought off Pilate, then the least of these would have no hope. But because God chose through his Son to enter into the most forbidden and forgotten place, the suffering of the innocent, now everyone has hope. It's in that silence that it's so dramatic. As you so rightly point out, we we are annoyed by that. We want someone to cry out, and yet there's silence. The silence of God is too full to really speak about. The fullest of silences speak to us because we can't take our eyes off Jesus. We're begging him to say something defend himself, and so are all those who are about to kill him. They all want him to say something so they can hate him. Just give me a reason to kill you, Jesus. Are you a king? Speak to me. The soldiers hitting, slapping Jesus. Do something. Attack us. Defend yourself. Give us a reason to hate you. Give us a reason to hate love. And of course, love doesn't give that reason. Because love can't. Because it would be against love's nature. And so the only word that love utters is silent presence. And love receives all of the fears of Pilate and all of the fears of the soldiers. And in receiving those fears, 
love itself remains faithful to itself and therefore remains a place for us to go to be healed by love. The silence is full. We are called to enter that full silence in awe and in gratitude that Jesus did not speak a word and that he was faithful and that he suffered for us out of choice, out of this deep communion he had with his Father's will to go and find the lost sheep and reconcile all things so that my banquet hall will be filled and my joy will be complete. What is it our hearts are yearning for in this prayer at this station of the cross? I think one of the prayers would be in the depths of our our own personal sorrow to ask the Holy Spirit to raise up in our consciences all the times when we lack the courage to speak the truth not to speak some ideological slogan or something you write on a placard or cheer at a political rally, but to raise in our conscience all the times we were so separate from our own consciences, so separate from our own selves, that we could not even name the truth. And to ask the Lord to begin to forgive us for this and for us to begin to receive forgiveness for the times when we washed our hands of what we knew to be true, when we turned our face, we ask the Lord to forgive us. We'll return in just a moment to The Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. 
from the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to The Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. The second station, Jesus receives the cross. How does he embrace that? There were some writings in medieval times that said that when Jesus received the cross, he didn't receive it. He actually took it. And one writer in particular say, said that Jesus jumped on it like a spouse on his wedding night. This was his honeymoon. This was his bed of love. And he reached for the cross as the fulfillment of love itself. For all he was thinking about at this point was his bride. No thought of himself, his pain, what he would suffer. What he was thinking about is what will come about for the welfare of his bride, the church, and for all those believers down through the ages whose hearts will be broken over word of this incredible love of God. And so he embraced the cross in all of its truth. Of course, he wasn't ignorant and he knew the cross would be filled with pain. But perfect love cast out all fear. And if there was anyone on earth who ever loved perfectly, meaning without fear, it was Jesus reaching for his cross at the second station as the culmination of his mission began. The images of Jesus receiving the cross shows us faces of men without an ounce of compassion attaching or hoisting upon the Lord such a cruel instrument of his death. I mean, there just seems to be no remorse even in the execution of, their, of the jobs they seem to be doing. This is an innocent man. 
that this is someone who is not a criminal. But of course they rationalized him to be a criminal so they could kill him and any of their guilt could be projected onto him. And so sometimes when we do not look to our own sins, we become violent toward others and we project onto others the dark places of our own heart. And Jesus, of course, knew this in his own ministry when he said to those who were about to stone the woman caught in adultery, you without sin cast the first stone. We don't even look in our hearts to see what our own sins are. We're always ready to cast stones. We're always ready to hoist a cross for another because of this incredible fear that if I name my sins rather than blame others, everything will collapse around me. I've built such a wonderful structure of lies. I've built a wonderful edifice where I can safely hide in this false world where I call myself innocent. It would cost too much for me to call Jesus innocent and for him to call out my guilt. Everything would collapse. Everything would fall around me because I built this false world where I am innocent. And so Jesus says, that's all right. Give me the cross. I know you are all broken and you are all afraid. I know how difficult it is for you to name the evil that you yourselves have chosen. And so I will carry that evil for you. And the Father, who loves me more than anything, will welcome you because I have welcomed all of your sins that you cannot name into my sacred heart. And because he loves me, you too someday, if you repent and believe the good news, you too will be loved by my Father. And you will accept his love and you will know the joy of the kingdom. Was it harder for Jesus to have to endure the physical agony of having to carry that actual cross or to have to endure the jeers and the ridicule and the lack of compassion? Well, nobody can really say what's in Jesus' heart at this point. All we know is that he is so focused on the mission, so focused on the complete participation of his will and his mind in the salvation of the human being, that he wants to enter even into those jeers. He wants to receive even that, that vocal, that voiced hate that comes from those who are speaking out of fear, speaking out of ignorance. He even wants to receive that because he wants to receive every ounce 
of the fullness of human experience so that every ounce of the fullness of human experience can be reconciled in his love for them. All we know about Jesus is that he wanted to love us to the very end. And he wanted to penetrate every molecule of human existence and experience and leave nothing untouched by the divine. And of course, this was the greatest battle that he was beginning here. Because what the divine wanted to touch here was evil. And evil always resists love. But evil could not resist the love of Christ when this love of Christ was so simply pure as to render itself available for service to the salvation of humankind. Evil itself broke apart and fled in the face of such love. So Jesus Thank you for receiving every aspect of our human experience. Thank you for carrying all of that to the cross so that nothing we know or think, experience or choose is left outside of your will for our salvation. A real key word here is he receives it. He, as you pointed out, in some ways embraces it. He takes it. He goes after it. And how often do we, with our crosses, want to run, want to repel, or we're forced into taking a cross? Well, of course, only the Spirit of Jesus can help us to run after the cross. And you see this in a lot of the writings of the saints, where they've become mad out of love for God. And a lot of us, as we stand before the Stations of the Cross, may feel not great love or gratitude or enthusiasm. We may feel a sense of helplessness that I could never do this. And of course that's true. But we have to receive more deeply the Holy Spirit. As Jesus has received his cross freely, we have to beg him for the release of the Holy Spirit so that our crosses are received, not by our puny wills and our finite minds and our bloated egos of self-interest, but that we receive our crosses in his Spirit, which of course is the only way that we could hang upon them, that we could carry them, Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus, give us this Spirit, your Holy Spirit, so that we might carry, that we might take, that we might grasp the crosses that fill our lives. Is that the prayer for this station in receiving the cross? The prayer is for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, especially as he begins this journey, this walk to Calvary. Without the Spirit, we will not get up when we fall. 
So as Jesus processes to Calvary, he falls and gets up. Without the Spirit, we would stay down. So we do ask the Lord to help us always in his Spirit to meet evil with love. Thank you, Deacon Katie. You've been listening to Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will First, pray for our mission, and if you find us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Stations of the Cross, Reflections with Deacon James Keating.